Hello, I'm Olivia Christian. Welcome to Long Story Short by Vistaprint. This week's topic, revenue streams. Carla Marie, our host, is joined by Amy Faulkner, founder of Jilly Wagon. The two talk about the many different ways Amy's creating events and content that add to her bottom line and create community. Some specifics they touched on that I want to call out. The how, who, and why. How to know when to create an additional revenue stream. You got to ask yourself, what's your bandwidth, how much time, and potentially money can you invest in making it worth your while? Next is the who. Who can help you determine what that additional revenue stream should be? Is it a podcast or a new product or service? Spoiler alert, ask and learn from your existing customer base. And the why. Why you may need to have an additional revenue stream in the first place. Creating a natural way to broaden your business can result in creating opportunities to further engage with your customer and really connect. Successful businesses build relationships, so it's not just a one and done. All right, let's jump into the episode. It's Long Story Short with Carla Marie, brought to you by Vistaprint. Welcome, everyone. This is the podcast that inspires small business owners through the advice and guidance of fellow small business owners. And this week's topic is all about revenue streams that actually work. And we'll be talking to Amy Faulkner, who is the owner of Gilly Wagon, an event production company based in Seattle. But it is way more than a local event production company. Amy is a creative genius and I'm excited for you to tap into her brain today. She's also the winner of the Jefferson Award, which is often referred to as the Nobel Prize in Public Service. So Amy, welcome to Long Story Short. Nice to have you here. Good morning, Carla Marie. It's nice to be here. Okay, so you need to tell us first, what is your company, Gilly Wagon? So there's no easy one explanation. My parents are still completely confused by what I do, (laughs) but um, we're event producers. And so Gilly Wagon itself produces events for other companies. We do everything from corporate holiday parties to, but I hate that word corporate, to um, community festivals. But then we also have a few of our own brands and we produce Seattle Cocktail Week. Um, We have Seattle Cocktail Club, Dead Men of Whiskey, uh, a Jello shot blog called Make Them Wobble. We do a lot of different things. Um, Hot Sauce Fest is ours. A lot of our own events that happen under the Gilly Wagon umbrella. And you also have Bartender Circle as well, which is kind of an industry thing, right? Like that's not what someone like me would get to be a part of. Correct. We have bartender circle. There's enough going on that I obviously just (laughs) forgot one of them. Um, And that is for people in the hospitality industry to, we wanted to create an environment where they can share knowledge and have peer support and do all of these great things to advance in their industry. Okay. And Gilly Wagon as a name, what is that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's a... When the circus was more of a thing, the a gilly wagon was the ornate cart that took the circus from one location to another. So it seemed like a fitting name for what we do because we bring the fun from one place Ooh, to another. I love that. Okay. Okay. Big fan of that. So which of all of those things that you just named, if any of them were revenue streams that were created during the pandemic? So one of them changed as a revenue stream during the pandemic. And the big one would be Seattle Cocktail Club. Um, Also, Dead Men of Whiskey, 
was born entirely of the pandemic. And Which that is a is, podcast. Correct. Yeah, it's a okay. podcast about the history um, and the names behind the names we all know in whiskey. That's cool. And then Bartender Circle existed, but it shifted during the pandemic a little bit. But I think our biggest shift in there was Seattle Cocktail Club. At the time the pandemic happened, we had done five to six small events in Seattle. So the club wasn't super active. It was less than a year old. When we started it, it was because we had these amazing cocktail opportunities that we wanted to share Mm. throughout the year, not just during the time of Seattle Cocktail Week. But we, we hadn't been very active with it. When the pandemic came along, because we're in Seattle and that's where the pandemic kind of took off in the United States. Cocktail week was the first event shut down. It happened before any of the closures that we saw across the country. And so we were, we were struggling and trying to figure it out. And at the same time, I knew that our Seattle cocktail club members, we hadn't given them much over the last year And they're paying members, obviously. Yes, they pay a small amount per year and that gets them access to things that other people wouldn't have. And I was just trying to figure it out. But at the same time, all of my friends were doing these happy hours. Like it's the moment we all got on Zoom. Yeah. (laughs) And I realized that with my friends who I adore, I had Zoom fatigue and did not want to be on Zoom. And it was really difficult to say I'd rather hang out by myself or with my dog than on a video call with my friends. So I knew that Zoom fatigue was going to be a thing. And I tried to figure out how to transition what was the new reality, which was virtual, into something that was fun and engaging. But you hadn't done virtual events for Gillywagon or at all. I was so anti-virtual events, anti-technology. If if there's one thing to fail at an event, it's always the technology. And as humans, we're all about connections and bonding and being together. And like my interest was creating this experience. And that doesn't come through a screen necessarily. Or in my vision pre-pandemic, it definitely didn't come through a screen. It was a thing that happened in real life. So I had to redefine what that looked like even in my own brain. So now in Seattle, at least we're opening back up. I know you're having in-person events. Will you continue to use virtual events as a revenue stream for your company? 100%. I think think that they definitely have their place and they're never going to be a full replacement for in-person events. But there are things that happen through virtual events that I never thought of. And that is, well, we do a lot of events with alcohol. So when we do a tasting, if we can get the product to people to taste and they can do it virtually, they don't have to leave their house. Which we also love staying home a bit. Yeah, exactly. So like Mondays and Tuesdays, you can do a tasting and you don't have to figure out how to drive home. So there's some some benefits there. But also, I think that the world has opened up for us and we can have people that we would never. I did an event a few weeks ago that was a cooking class with a nonprofit cooking school in Bangkok teaching us how to make green curry like that would have never happened. It is incredible that I mean, for any company, 
I think this last year, people have learned, oh, I can do this and it's better for my company because of having to go virtual or just having to connect with technology that we've had. But like you said yourself, Amy, you just didn't even want to deal with it. But now it's kind of changed the way your company runs. But all those Seattle Cocktail Club members that you had that were virtual with you, did they stick around? Did Seattle Cocktail Club uh, grow? What did you see by going virtual that has helped your business? I will say that I know that not every business has done great with virtual events. And that in during this time of transition, we are all just trying to figure it out, right? So there is a lot of like uh, throwing the spaghetti at the wall and seeing what's mm-hmm. st- stuck. But we were very lucky. Uh, I did a test where I reached out to 20 Seattle Cocktail Club members and said, if you participate in this 30-minute happy hour twice a week for the next five weeks, so they had to commit to 10 happy hours with their camera on for 30 minutes, I would hand deliver them 10 cocktail kits. And what they didn't realize, and I'm sorry if they're listening, but they became kind of my test subject for what worked. (laughs) Okay. Being a test subject and getting alcohol though is all right. Yeah. Well, that's probably why they didn't realize it because I gave them (laughs) a lot of alcohol, but um, I hand delivered it to their house and we did different things from everything from like tastings to just icebreaker games and different things to get them talking and stuff like that. And I saw what resonated with them and what they liked doing. And then I took that and expanded it throughout the entire club. And we have quadrupled in size since the pandemic. That's amazing. Yeah. That is, and that's through, I'm assuming those people telling their friends, Hey, you have to come sign up for this. Cause this is fun. Yeah. And I think one of the most amazing things that never occurred to me, because I was so anti-virtual events going into this, is that now that we're transitioning back to in-person events, we're seeing people that have only met virtually through our events that now feel like they know this person somehow. So they did get that connection and bonding that I talk about. It's definitely different, but they got it. And they are very engaged. They already feel like they know the other members. And some of our members have even said that it was the thing that got them through because it was the way that they were connecting with other people. We all need that connection. And that is one thing that you've done with your company as a whole through all of your revenue streams, I believe, is you've created a sense of community and everyone feel like they are a part of what you do. They're just not buying your product. And I think a lot of people hear revenue streams and they think, oh, I got to sell this kind of product for my company and I've got to sell that kind of product for my company. That's what a revenue stream is. But you've kind of proven, no, that's not what a revenue stream has to be. I have a background in marketing and the phrase cult branding where you want people to belong to what it is you're selling. And it's been really easy for me because I act more probably out of passion than good business sense it sometimes. I think that if you're bringing a product to market, no matter what it is and you're passionate about it and you know that what you're going to do is in some way going to delight somebody or change the way they feel about it, then they're naturally going to be drawn to it. That doesn't always work, but um, with some, some knowledge behind it, it really, really helps. So I would much rather create an engaged group of people that really likes what I'm doing and they're fans. And it's a slower 
to market thing. But when something like a pandemic comes along, I feel like you get support a lot easier and it's way more fun to work with an engaged community. Oh, absolutely. And then they give you feedback, which I think is cool because they are a part of what you're creating. And then it's that two way street you get as a business by doing what you do, opposed to just someone buying your product and just moving on and never speaking with you. Right. And I think that when you do things like events, you do it because you want to see that joy and delight mm-hmm. in your customers. So, And that's part of virtual events. You don't immediately see that. And that's yeah. probably why I was a little hesitant going into it. The other thing is the first virtual event we had at the end of it, I realized that there wasn't any cleanup and I was a little <laughs> bit sold. Yeah, that that is obviously way better. Why is it important for you as a business to have multiple revenue streams? Like why not just say, okay, I'll do Seattle cocktail club and Seattle cocktail week. You have all these other things as well. Why? I think it's a personal choice. So if you, in depending on what you want your business to be, if I had wanted it to be just me and one other person, I could just go with Seattle cocktail week. And that would be the only thing we did, but it is a little bit of having all of your eggs in one basket. So I purposely set out and looked for these other opportunities that were industry related that um, it's what my audience wanted. It wasn't necessarily the, again, it wasn't like, this is my get rich quick scheme. It wasn't, um, this is what everybody's going to buy, but it's like, this is what people want. And this is what can bring in that extra revenue stream and make it secure. And Uh, I think if 2020 showed us anything is the predictable is unpredictable in business. What is a piece of advice to entrepreneurs today in a world where the digital space is a crucial part of the equation of success? I think making sure that you show up where your audience wants you to show up. If we had not gone to virtual in a time when everybody was shifting, they would have felt like we had disappeared out of their life. It wasn't, again, what I originally wanted to do. I felt like I was forced into that direction, but now I'm starting to look at as even our discord channel, I would have never found discord. Now I sound like I've never used a computer before, but (laughs) I just think that like seeing what people are interested in and looking at different platforms and talking to your audience, I think that's the biggest thing and listening to what they want. They're going to guide you and they're, they're your audience. So you would say that as like your biggest asset as a company is your connection with your community. Yes. Is being able to, they're basically like a focus group that you have every day. They're like a family. Wow. That's, that's rich, but they are, they're like a family. They are what drives me to keep doing things and I want to delight them. And it becomes more about them being excited. So when we get to Thanksgiving, they are super stoked about it. And they are Thanksgiving, I guess, mm-hmm. the Seattle cocktail week and they want to show up and they want to be there. And it's a celebration where if I was a bad family member, Thanksgiving wouldn't be fun. Right. It's funny. You, you bring that up and, and talking to your audience because the founders of happy box said the same thing that their audience, their, the people, their customers are the people who truly help them as a business because they want to get feedback and they love hearing their feedback and they'll pick up the phone and call their customers and ask them questions about the product. And it's interesting that you guys are in two completely different industries 
and you're saying the same thing. And I think that's one of the most important things that any small business owner can learn from this podcast. And I think if you look at the perspective from anything that you're a consumer of, do you want to have a voice in that? What makes you excited about things, either products or events or whatever that is? It's it's how do you feel? Like, what are those feelings that you get from the interactions that you have with businesses? Okay, so people want to be a part of the community for Gilly Wagon or Seattle Cocktail Club or just go to Seattle Cocktail Week. How, what is the best place to send everyone to? The easiest places to go to Gilly Wagon. Our website is Team Gilly Wagon, G-I-L-L-Y wagon.com and from there there's a list of our brands so you can find everything that we're so it's like the longest drop down in the history of drop downs yes i did a digital (laughs) business card that's more like a 30 page resume and realized that was a bit much okay so you can go to team gilly wagon to support amy support her amazing company and her staff and all of her employees and come to an event in seattle or join virtually from literally anywhere in the world bangkok you can do it It's amazing. Amy, thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing your advice with everyone. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Long Story Short. Please make sure you subscribe to this podcast and or join us every other Tuesday for our live show. Look for Vistaprint on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube for the live stream. We've got more great guests that will share details about their small business journey, some tips and best practices that we hope will help you grow and sustain your business. Until next time.